renew us in the Holy Ghost. We have prayed and prayed and prayed for this meeting. Our folks put forth a special effort. Amen. These prayer rooms have been filled before services with folks crying out to God. Amen. Lord, amen. Do it again. Thank God. And we're just happy for revival. Some of these folks you've seen singing in the choir tonight just received the Holy Ghost in our last revival just a few weeks ago. Amen. Some of them, amen, just coming out of an assembly of God, uh, Trinitarian Church, amen, came in and seen the light, thank God, up here worshiping God tonight, looking like Pentecostal people supposed to look, hallelujah, amen. I thank God for the Lord is doing in this our day, praise God, amen. So Brother Albion, amen, God bless you, amen. He doesn't need no introduction here, I promise you, amen. Young man blessed us through the years, was in our church for a number of years, and amen. And uh, let our young people, a young man sent me a tape last week, way off, up north somewhere, and moved off several years back. And on this tape, he was mentioning the youth service that they had in the old building. Brother Alvear preaching on Calvary. Going back and telling how much he appreciates so much those youth services when they are the you know, also uh, had our radio program for years. And, and I thank God for this fine young man that's coming here tonight. God bless you, Brother Alvear, as you come. Thank you, Brother Spell. Praise the Lord, everybody. May be seated for a few moments. I want to say, first of all, what a great privilege and thrill it is to just be here tonight, Life Tabernacle, one more time, and worship together with you. And I think 31st cat meeting here at Baton Rouge. We have enjoyed others through the years and trust that this one will be no exception. I do think that Brother Spell could have done a little better in his choice of a night speaker, but be that as it may, I am quite honored tonight to have been asked to come and preach to you. I consider myself the least among the brethren. That's not just pulpit talk. I really do feel that way. I told somebody recently, I said, I just know that one of these days you're going to finally realize that I can't preach and they'll quit asking me. But in the meantime, I want to do my best while we're here. I have prayed earnestly that God would bless these services give a special anointing upon the preaching of the Word of God. I would like to be able to say and do something this week that would affect and impact some light that is here either tonight or will be here during the course of this week. And I am so also looking forward to the afternoon services, uh, the ministry of, of one of my dearest friends. Elder Roger Evans, who has meant so much to me through the years, and uh, I was recalling uh, during the early part of the service when Brother Evans was singing 
that I don't think there was any preacher that came through here during the years that I attended in this church that had a greater influence on my life than Brother Evans. And that wasn't just during that period of time, but before that, uh, I had heard him in South Bend, Indiana, and then also in California. And since then, many, many times he has blessed me with the teaching of the Word of God. Not only from behind the pulpit, but Brother Evans and I have enjoyed many hours of, of personal conversation and uh, a wonderful uh, friendship, and I appreciate him so very much and feel just very thrilled to be teamed up with him this week. Praise the Lord. And I, I know that whatever you don't get in the night services, I promise you, you will get in the afternoon services. But I want to give special honor tonight to the man who was my pastor for five years, Brother Spell. He's also been a great force in my life, and I appreciate him and his family so very much. And we have been concerned, along with you, for spells health and rejoice at the good report that we heard tonight. We love this man and the role that he has had in the kingdom of God for quite a few years now. Let me tell you something. I know there's probably those sitting right around in this building tonight that wish Brother Spell would quit talking about the past and reminiscing about days gone by. The way I feel about it is you better hope and pray. He never quits. I said, you better hope and pray he never quits. I hope somehow or another we can stay in touch with old-time Pentecost. In fact, I hope we do more than just stay in touch with it. I hope we have a little of it around here this week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'd like to see somebody touched by the power of God. No reason why somebody can't get the Holy Ghost during the preliminaries around here. Why wait till the end of service? Somebody could get the Holy Ghost while the preaching of the Word of God is going forth. Somebody could get their healing during these services. Anything can happen in this place if we'll just open up and let God have His way. Anybody come ready to let God have His way? Praise the Lord. Let's stand and give the Lord a good hand clap tonight. Let's praise Him and magnify His name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Thank God. Praise the Lord. And I I, uh, I want us to sing a chorus tonight before we go into the Word of God. If you'll help me. Just because of TFC, I believe. It's an old song. Let's sing it together as an expression of prayer to the Lord before going into His Word tonight. Praise God. Just a closer walk with Thee. Oh, it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. I want just 
a closer walk with thee. Can you sing it with me? Oh, granted, Jesus is my plea. And daily walking close to thee. Oh, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. But thou art strong. Oh, Jesus, keep me from all wrong. And I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk. Close to thee, oh, I want just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Oh, world of toil and care. If I falter, Lord, who cares? And who with me my burden shares? Oh, not but thee, dear Lord, not but thee. Closer walk with me. Help me sing it. Lift your hands and sing it. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Oh, I need just a 
let's talk to him tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus, would you bless us tonight? Would you help us? Would you give direction and anointing to the preaching of your word? Hallelujah. Would you let it touch every heart and soul in this place tonight? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 38. And I to read several verses of scripture, just a little longer scripture reading than I usually read. I want to say while you're finding that, that it's also good to have all of my other preacher friends here tonight and know others will be coming throughout the week. All the familiar faces that I see this evening. I like to see new faces, but I really like to see familiar faces. Let's me know somebody's still going on with the Lord. Psalms chapter 38, and I'm reading beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As an heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before Thee, and my groaning is not hid from Thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sword, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I as a deaf man heard not. I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. I would like to speak to you simply tonight on this subject, the halt. The Lord bless you, you may be seated. You all going to help me preach here tonight? Are you really going to help me preach here tonight? Praise the Lord. But I, I read to you a lengthy portion of this song because I wanted you to be impressed 
before I even get started in my message tonight with the tremendous frustration that the psalmist is feeling at this particular time. The anguish that he is expressing. We find him at a time of great discouragement while he was reproaching himself for his failures and also declaring the fear that he had for his enemies. And it finally so unnerved him that he cried out to God for help. And then he declared, for I am ready to halt or to falter. And I'm sure that we all understand at least basically what this is all about. But the word halt simply defined means to walk or proceed lamely. It is to have a pronounced limp resulting from either paralysis or injury or deformity or an amputation. And if you are at all familiar with the Gospels in the New Testament, you'll know that during the ministry of Jesus Christ, He dealed with many, dealt with many people who were halt. Bible says in John chapter 5 and verse 3 that at the pool of Bethesda in those days there was a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and of halt and of withered waiting for the moving of the water. And I am certainly not here tonight to uh, make fun or ridicule in any way those that have that kind of physical condition. But the reason why I want you to direct your attention to it is that it is not only a physical condition, but Webster goes on to define the word halt as being a mental disposition. It is someone who stands in perplexity or in doubt between alternate courses. It is to waver or to falter. It is to display weakness or imperfection. And finally, in its most severe form, it is to stop or discontinue altogether. It is to cease marching or journeying. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that a physical abnormality such as this uh, does not necessarily touch the character of a human being. One of the greatest men in this century was President Franklin Roosevelt, and he spent the majority of his life in a wheelchair. And yet, uh, that man, together with the little man who looked like a bulldog from England by the name of Winston Churchill, stood as giants against the tyranny and the uh, wickedness of Adolf Hitler in Germany, and also of Hirohito in Japan. So you can be halt physically and still be a giant in your character. But it is those who have two good legs who are afflicted with a mental and even worse, a spiritual condition of being a halt that is the real danger tonight. 
And I want you to know that it is not only a physical condition, and it is not only a mental disposition, but it is also a spiritual illness that afflicts our churches tonight. I'll serve you notice that it was not just the pool of Bethesda that was full of the halt. But I dare say our gatherings in this our day are full of people just like that. And I'm here to talk to you about those kind of folk. And I hope you'll listen to me for a little while. There are first of all those who are halt because of their indecision. The Bible tells of the period of time in the history of Israel during the days of the prophet Elijah in which the people were so backslidden and away from God that they had turned to heathenism and idol worship. Hallelujah. And they had drifted so far. And finally, Elijah appears to King Ahab. And Ahab was not glad by this visit of the man of God. In fact, he said, Are you the one that troubles Israel? And Elijah said, you got it wrong, bud. It's not me that troubles Israel, but you and your father's house. That's the problem. And he said, gather together all of the people of Israel to me at Mount Carmel and bring along 450 prophets of Baal and along with them the 400 prophets of the groves. And the Bible said that when they had assembled there, the prophet Elijah screamed out a challenge to them and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the Bible says the people answered Him not a word. These are the halt of indecision. They show perplexity and doubt because they are undecided between alternate courses. And I want to ask you tonight, why is it that we keep heaven to pray the same folks through every time we turn around? Why is it that we still have folks sitting in our churches with big question marks over their heads? Why is it that some folks cannot seem to make up their mind and be able to sing the song once and for all. I have decided to follow Jesus and I won't turn back. No, I won't turn back. I'm telling you it's time for some folks right here in this camp meeting to start burning some bridges. It's time for you to start severing some ties. It's time for you to start breaking off links of communication. It's time for you to quit halting between two opinions and make up your mind to follow Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and sit there. I'm preaching to you. And I'm going to preach to you all week long. So you might as well get used to it. Praise God. Can I ask you tonight, has not God proved himself to you yet? Haven't you decided yet whether God is worth following? Haven't you decided 
whether God is worthy of your attention and of your servitude? Hasn't God shown you that He is a great God and greatly to be praised? Hallelujah! Why the indecision? If God is God, then serve Him. If God exists, if He is the maker of heaven and the earth, if He holds the whole world in His hands, if He made you and me, if He is God, then serve Him. Hallelujah. What does God have to do to prove himself to some folks? I want you to know that when Elijah issued that challenge to the people of Israel, it was a long time before Calvary. Here you and I sit on the other side of Calvary. God is not a mystical being way up there somewhere. He is a God who has made himself flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And he went to Calvary. And he shed his blood. And he loved you and me. And he set out his spirit upon all flesh. What does it take for some folks to make up their mind? What does it take to get some folks to quit halting between two opinions? Praise the Lord. Alternate courses. There are no alternate courses tonight. God told Israel a long time ago, See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. That's not a choice. Does anybody want to choose death and evil? That's not even a choice. There is only one choice. And that is life and good. If the Lord be God, then get up off of your seat. Get up on your feet. Hallelujah. Every now and then. And take your stand for God. Every year we keep coming back, seeing the same folks sitting there with a deadpan expression on their face, still undecided, still dragging their feet, still don't know, still not sure, still, still confused. There's no confusion as far as my part goes anymore, my friend. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. There are those, you may be seated, who are halt because they seem to be deformed in their development. Again, I am referring to the spiritual tonight, but they are halt because for some reason or another, uh, they are lame, they have a limp, one foot is shorter, one leg is shorter than the other. Consequently, the result is they take one long step and then they take a short one. And they take a long one and they take a short one. Praise the Lord. Their walk is not marked with consistency. They're up and down, in and out, over and under. Hallelujah. One week they're up and shouting the victory. The next week you can't get them off of their pew. 
One week they're standing up and testifying. I feel like going all the way with Jesus. And the next week, praise the Lord, they're sitting there feeling sorry for themselves. One week they're standing up and getting on everybody else because they're not worshiping. And the next week they themselves are sitting on the back pew with our arms crossed. One long step and one short one. They alternate hot and cold. You never know where they stand. It's hard to predict what their mood is going to be every time they come to church. They're different every time you see them. Isn't it time that we got some consistency in our walk with God? Isn't it time we started just marching with Jesus toward our eternal destiny? Hallelujah! I'm telling you, this is worth devoting your life to. Why don't you get in it with both feet and give it all you've got? Some folks have got to keep telling them the same things over and over again. Because for a little while they do it. You've got to keep preaching prayer. And they'll pray for two or three services. And then they'll slack off again. And you've got to work their hives over again before they'll pray. Some folks, you will, they'll only worship when just the right person is up singing. When just the right mood is there. Or when everybody else is worshiping. Or when somebody gets on to them and makes them worship. One long step and one short step. One night they're all shouting the victory. The next night they're down in the dumps. I'm talking about the halt. They cannot walk consistently with God. Praise the Lord. They alternate in their spirituality. One week they're carnal. The next week they're spiritual. One week they're reading the Bible. The next week they don't even know where the Bible is. One week they're praying and fasting. The next week they're listening to worldly music, doing God only knows what. Hallelujah. It's time for you to start walking with both feet. You need a touch from the Lord to help put some regularity in your experience. They're undependable. You never know where they stand. As a result, they are unbalanced. The slightest nudge, the slightest pressure, and it knocks them for a sprawl. Hallelujah. They have a hard time walking a straight line because of their halt condition. They tend to drift to the right and then to the left. And somebody's got to spend all their time pulling them back to center. They never seem to be able to walk that straight line. In fact, they can't make any progress unless they have the aid of some kind of prop or assistance. They cannot stand on their own and stand on their own two feet. But I want you to know the ones that make it to heaven are those that somehow somehow are able to overcome this condition. God's not having a bunch of spiritual deformed children. 
in the pearly gates. If you make it there, it will be, be because you walk the good walk of faith. It will be because you march on this journey for Jesus. It will be because you fight the good fight of faith. It will be because you meet the enemy and overcome him. Praise God. A lot of strange expressions looking at me right now. I'm talking to you about the heart. That's the reason why we can't make as much progress in our churches. Because we've got to keep coming along and helping the same old folks over the same old territory. Again and again and again and again. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord for just a moment. Hallelujah. And then there are the halt because of an unsteady walk. The circumstances of life have pressed them down. The trials of life have affected them until their walk is unsteady. I want to remind you that the man that wrote these words was one of the greatest men in the Old Testament. He was not always in this condition. When we are first introduced to this young man, he is going to the camp of the army where they are assembled to bring food to his brethren. And when he gets there, he hears the awful sound of a giant in the valley calling out the challenge, send me a man to fight me. And David takes one look down there and it, it, it amazes him that nobody has risen to the challenge. And, and he asks, why doesn't somebody go and fight him? And he finds all the people looking at their feet and chewing on their fingernails and, and being otherwise occupied. And, but nobody's willing to go fight the giant. And, and finally somebody says, if you want to fight him, you go. And, and David said, I believe that's what I'll do. And hallelujah, he was not intimidated or afraid by the size, the experience, or the volume that this man presented to him. Hallelujah. And finally we see him going out to meet the giant. I want you to know he did not slink from pew or from rock to rock or from bush to bush. But the Bible says that when Goliath saw him coming, he was actually insulted. He said, what am I, a dog that you come to me with staves? Aren't there any men in Israel? You have to send a boy out here to fight me. And he said, come to me, young man. I'm going to take your flesh and feed it to the fowl of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a shield and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou has defied. He did not try to sneak up on that giant, but the Bible says he ran out to meet him. There was no unsteadiness in his walk that day. He was sure-footed. He was confident in himself and confident in his God. And he went out and met the giant and brought him down and whacked his head off and showed it to everybody. 
this is the man that the maidens of Israel started singing their songs. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. This is the man whose very name in just a few years struck terror in the hearts of the enemies of Israel. This is the man that could terrorize any battlefield by just showing up. But now, he says, help Lord, for I am ready to halt. I'm here to tell you, my friend, there are circumstances in life that'll knock you silly, that'll leave you dazed, leave you confused. It'll rock your very foundation. There may have been times when you were so sure, so confident, full steam ahead. But life has a way of battering you from all sides. And before you can recover from one, you're being hit from another. The Bible does say we are troubled on every side. And even though we would like to think that we can rise to every occasion and perform flawlessly in every test and every challenge, there's going to be those times when we're punch drunk. And all we can do is say, help Lord! Help Lord! For I am ready to halt! This is the great champion of Israel. This is the slayer of giants. This is the man that wasn't afraid of man nor beast saying, God, don't let nobody else come close to me because I can't take no more. I'm preaching to folks here tonight and I know I am. You might as well drop your mask and let the Holy Ghost talk to you. You might as well take the shield away from your heart and let God deal with you tonight. Help, Lord, for I am ready to halt. I don't know if I can take any more. He said, the light is gone out of mine eyes. That familiar glint is not there anymore. There's just that vague, hazy glaze now. And I'm just staggering around. And I don't know if I can make it. I'm faltering. God, if you don't help me. In the last verse in that chapter, he says, Lord, you will answer me speedily. In other words, if you don't come through for me quick, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to survive. We have folks that come all dressed up and sit in our church services just like some of you are right here tonight. The circumstances and trials of life have pressed you down. You can remember times when you ran the aisles with all kinds of vim, vigor, and vitality. You can remember when there was a shout on your lips and a dance in your feet. You can remember times when you weren't afraid of the devil and now you're just saying, God, please don't let the devil come close to me. He said, my friends also stand afar off and they're looking at me and they don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Hallelujah. They don't act interested. I'm not getting help from anywhere. And my enemies are just watching for me to slip.
Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I have preached many a service and then found out later it was the last service somebody was in the house of God. And I have searched myself and I have wondered, God, was there something I could have said? Something I could have done? I'm not going to let you leave this camp meeting without reaching for you. I'm not going to let you leave this camp meeting without letting you know you're not alone. There's others who have faced what you're facing. There's others that have gone through what you're going through. There's others that have found themselves in this position. If the psalmist David, who was a veteran of many battlefields, could say, I am ready to halt. And then there are those who are the halt in the most severe form. They are ready to discontinue. To cease marching. To stop their journeying. Because it's too hard to go on. Their halt. Their journey is painful and it's weary and it's troublesome. And I believe with all my heart that's where David found himself. And let me tell you why that David was so low that day. David was not afraid of Goliath. David was not afraid of other enemies that he faced. David was not afraid of Saul. He walked right into his camp one night while the man lay sleeping and cut off a piece of his garment just to be able to show it off later. David was not afraid of men. But it was his sin, his failures, his shortcomings, he could not cope with. And they were in him as a loathsome disease. A putrefying sore that oozed and would never scab over. It just kept pouring out its corruption and reminding him every day, you're a loser. You're a failure. You have failed God. You have done this, that, and the other. And it was his failure that David could not overcome that was just about to bury him. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I have run across folks in this day that are ready every time somebody stubs their toe to lead them to the guillotine. But I want you to know there is a merciful, compassionate God that knows where you are and cares for you. And David said, my enemies are waiting to bury me and my friends act like they don't know me. But you're my only hope, God. Please don't, don't stop your ears from my cry. Help, Lord. Hallelujah. And there are folks sitting right here tonight that cannot deal with your failures. You can't lift your head up because of your failures. You can't walk steadily because of your failures. They have buried you, overwhelmed you, overcome you. So that it's too hard to go on. It's so much easier to quit. Just to stop walking. Stop marching. Just continue the journey. I feel the Holy Ghost. 
in this place right now. Help, Lord. I'm ready to halt. I remember the yesterdays when my prayer was so strong. My convictions were so sure. And I wasn't afraid of the devil. And I could worship so instantly and quickly. But now, Lord, I'm ready to halt. Hallelujah. And we wouldn't even care, but there is a roaring lion roaming about, looking for easy prey, easy victims. I'll never forget something Brother Colby, when he was in this church, told me when he was a prisoner of war in Korea. He was in the infamous death march. He said the fellow who was, I don't remember all the details all that clearly, but the fellow that was in charge of that death march was a ruthless individual. They nicknamed him Tiger. And he had a, a gun that he kept on his side. And he said never a time that gun came out that there wasn't an American soldier that died. And while they were on that death march, there were those that just could not make it any longer because they were so weak from lack of food and nutrition and rest. But he told me this at that time. He said, there were those who had the ability to go on. But somehow or another, they just lost the will to. And they would just step out of line and go sit down by the side of the road with their chin on their chest and wait for their inevitable doom. And he said, Tiger would stop the death march and walk back there and take his gun out put it to their head and blow their brains out. And we would keep marching. There are those in this building tonight who are ready to halt. Who are ready to discontinue. Put it to you one more time where you can't ever get up again. I'm telling you, you better get help while help is available. You better cry out like David said, God, I don't know what to do, but please help me. And I want you to know tonight that there is help for the halt. There is healing for the halt. There is a Savior who specializes in renewing the strength of the halt. 
I find him walking into the pool of Bethesda one day and finding that multitude there as I read to you earlier. And the Bible says there was an impotent man who had lain there over 30 years looking at the water, waiting for the angel to trouble the water every year. And he had long ago given up hope on ever being the first one to the water. He just laid there year after year watching somebody else get their blessing. Watching somebody else get their healing. Watching somebody else receive their help and their strength. He had given up completely. All he could do was lay there and look through the open doorways of that terrace and watch people carrying on normal with their their average activities of life and wish he could enjoy them. But he did not have the strength in his own two legs to walk out that door until one day the one who said, I am the door, walked up to him. And said, wilt thou be made whole? And the man said, sir, I don't have anybody. I'm wondering why some folks right here keep waiting year after year for the troubling of the water. Keep watching other folks get their blessing, get their help, get their strength, get their healing, get their renewal. But somehow or another, you're missing out on it. But I want you to know that the door is here. And He will walk up to you tonight if you want Him to. If you want help bad enough. And He will say, Will thou be made whole? And Jesus said, Take up your bed and walk. And sure enough, it worked. There is healing for the heart. I read of another man laying by the gate beautiful of the temple, crippled all of his life, resigned to his condition, knowing he's going to die a cripple. And just watching people as they walk by, hoping somebody would put a few coins in his cup. And I know I've watched the cripple many times in South America. The beggars on the side of the road, they get to where they cannot make eye contact with the people walking by. It's too painful to look at the disdainful expressions on the faces of those who are well. So they merely watch their feet. And when somebody slows down or hesitates, they reach out their hand for a little bit of alms. And that's what was going on that day. But here's two pairs of feet walking by and suddenly they hesitate and slow to a stop. To a stop. And the Bible says this man gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. And you know what Peter said? He said, look on us. Get your eyes up, man. We've got some good news for you. I wish I could get some folks here tonight to get your eyes up off the ground. Hallelujah. And he said, silver and gold have I done, but such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said he reached down and took him by the hand. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and went walking and leaping with them into the temple and praising God. There is help for the halt. There is healing for the halt. I'm not going to be much longer. I think those that I'm preaching to know who I'm preaching to. Hallelujah. There is a God that wants to renew you, wants to restore you. 
Wants to put you back on the right track. Wants to restore your walk. Put the steadiness back into it. The confidence back into it. The sureness back into it. Hallelujah! I want to remind you this evening that the God that we serve is a great God. And the Bible says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Uh, the, uh, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And, and to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise Him tonight. Let's praise Him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Would you please let Him work? Would you please let Him touch you? Would you please let Him spark a little hope in your heart that you can get back up from where you are and go on with God? Hallelujah. I'm closing. Brother Evans made reference to it earlier in this service. This was not the only time the psalmist David found himself in this condition. In the 73rd chapter of Psalm, he says, the psalmist says, my, my steps were almost gone. almost slipped. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he said, I looked around and they're not in trouble as other men. They have more than a heart could wish. They just get better and better all the time. Finally, he said, I've cleansed my hands in vain. I'm living for God in vain. I'm going to church in vain. I'm praying in vain. I'm worshiping in vain. I'm living this way in vain. Until I went into the sanctuary of That's where you are right now. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. <clears throat> and then I understood their end. And he said, Surely thou hast set them in slippery places. <laughs> they are brought down into desolation. They are consumed as in a moment. Moses had said so many years before, their foot shall slide in due time. 
You might look out in that world tonight and think there's a lot of folks doing a lot better than you are. But if you're in the sanctuary of the Most High God, you're infinitely in better shape than they are right now. And the psalmist said, I am continually with thee. You're going to guide me with thy counsel. And afterward, and afterward, receive me to glory. We're not wasting our time. We're not doing this for nothing. Hallelujah. Let's stand here this evening. Eyes are closed across this building. Heads are bowed. There's a lot more that I could say, but I feel like stopping right here. Hallelujah. Well, the saints of God are praying. If there's anybody that knows how to touch God, would you please do it right now? Because we have the halt in our midst this evening who cannot walk steadily. Hallelujah. Who are about to falter. Some about to give up. Some about to quit the race and stop marching. Because it's not worth it. It's too hard to go on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We have those that just keep going on the little seesaw up and down, up and down, up and down. Praying through and backsliding, praying through and backsliding, praying through and backsliding. It's time to stop the cycle tonight. It's time to get a hold of something that's tangible and real and solid that will sustain you. It's time for a healing of your soul. It's time for a healing of your mind and a healing of your spirit. While they began to play a number. They were. Well, heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. It's just the first night of the camp meeting. But don't wait till the last. Tonight, you the halt. Have a Savior in your midst. Ready to help you. If great men like David could say, I am ready to halt, you don't have to feel like the Lone Ranger tonight. You're not alone. But God can restore you. He can renew you. This same man was able then to say, at a later date, He maketh my feet like hind's feet to walk upon my high places. If you want that sureness back in your footing where you can climb those mountains again, stand from those lofty vistas and look across those lush valleys, those dark crevices from which you have been brought. You can have it tonight. Our folks are praying. Our folks are praying. Nobody looking around, please. I don't want to embarrass anybody, put anybody on the spot. But I would like those who are spiritually halt to step out from the pew right now and make your way down to the front and say, help, Lord. I don't think I can go on any longer. 
I don't think I can make it one more step. Hallelujah. I don't think I can walk one more mile. Come on, you're there. I know you're there. Be bold. Be courageous. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Be honest with yourself. Come on. Come on. That's right. That's right. Would you find yourself a place to pray tonight and would you pour your heart out to God and say, Lord, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Come on. We don't want just frivolous little warmed up prayers tonight. We want folks touching God. They're coming. The halls are coming. I don't say that in a derogatory way. We need help. We can get help in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. You're still out there. You're still out there. Young man, it's time for you to quit playing games. Time for you to quit stumbling around. It's time for you to get a hold of something genuine and real to sustain you. Come on, child of God, sister, brother. You don't have to keep leaning on those props. You can stand on your feet by the grace of God. Come on, we need a red-hot prayer meeting in this place tonight. No reason why we can't start this camp meeting getting a hold of God tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, would you come? Would you come? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you find somebody to pray with? I've been on the mountain, Jesus.
tonight for the beautiful message. Amen. I feel like that we've heard from God tonight. Amen. I, one lady a while ago said, 